Hello. Hi, Ria. Hi, Porva. Did we just start a pod? Yeah, dude, I think we did. Hi, Ria. Hi, Porva. What time is it in Dallas, by the way? You're drinking wine, I see. <laughs> it is currently 11.22 p.m. I will also say for all of the listeners that I was just telling Porva how I have, like, not... I haven't like had a drink for like a few weeks until this weekend. And I mean, now we're recording a podcast at 11.22 PM. So I thought a glass of wine would be nice to end my Sunday. I feel like I need a glass of wine right now, considering the conversation we're getting into, but it is 9.53 AM on a Monday morning. So um, you're having that for me. I mean, so I did, my friends and I um, had a picnic yesterday, and then we went to like one bar and had one drink. And the drink I had was an iced Mexican coffee. It was fantastic. But I mean, I guess you could start your day with an iced Mexican coffee. You know what? I just, I had my chai and I'm ready to spill some chai on this episode. So um, how is, uh, how do I even start this episode? (laughs) Um, Well, I think that's a good question because I think I should start this episode. Um, So today we decided to kind of do an impromptu round two of, I guess, the curveballs in your careers. Um, The first one was about my curveballs and what my brain was going through. And this one is going to be about Apoorva's curveballs. Um, And I am also going to learn what her brain is going through because we have not had the time to catch up. No, I mean, guys, when I say that the past episode that we shot with Rhea on her curveball in her career was impromptu, it's the same right now. Like we were literally just catching up on how to strategize for the pod. And we were just like, she's like, what's been going on? And I'm like, holy crap, we have not had the chance to get on and catch up with each other. And we were like, this is the perfect setting to start another episode. Um, so here's us on the fly no rule book this time, no scheduling, no pointers, just trust us when we say that this is as as raw as it can get, so. (laughs) Well, um, with that being said, I mean, why don't you give an update about what is going on in your life? I quit my job. I must have mentioned that, definitely, but I quit my job back in November, and we started the podcast in December, so my sole focus was on the pod until... Jan and as you know 20 something year olds aren't really great when they don't have work on their hands and we're also programmed to have a job and hustle hard so I was kind of like going down that train of like oh my gosh I'm jobless I just have the pod going for me I have no idea what to do so in Jan I started applying and trust me when I say Ria's heard this excuse it was not an excuse but every single time I was like I'm interviewing I'm interviewing And so so I'm sure she must have been like, what the heck is going on? But trust me when I say I had nothing going for me until Feb because I just everyone knows the grind, right? Like you apply on LinkedIn, the stuff just you reach out to HR, you reach out to recruiters and you're just like, hi, I need a job. What's going on? Nothing went for me until until sorry, Feb. So until Feb was a dark time. And then suddenly I was interviewing for five jobs at once. Um, and then in March, I was like down to a couple last interviews. And now I'm sitting in front of you guys with three job offers, which I want to say I'm not bragging, but it's a big confidence booster knowing that 
it's been a struggle having to move to a new continent and readjusting and I've eliminated one so I've been going back and forth between two but we are here to kind of like dissect that process and maybe give you some more tips hopefully that you can associate with and yeah that's the long spiel about what's going on love it um I actually want to go back to you talking about how many job offers you have because I think one thing that people often don't think about or realize is like when someone says something like that, like what was the behind the scenes that that person can sit there or is sitting there and being like, I have three job offers. And if anyone talked to Apoorva in like January or even like most February, it was kind of like, shit, my, I just, I don't know what I did to myself. Like it was definitely a very difficult road. So I'm very proud of the fact that you're proud that you have three jobs, even they're all a little bit different. Um, but I think sometimes it's hard to even be like, oh, if I didn't get like the perfect offer that I wanted exactly like to even be happy about what you have. Yeah. I think like the first, even without me getting into the weeds, guys, the first takeaway is there's no perfect job. And we've already said this before in the past. That is some, that is some notion that I have thrown down the toilet drain, flushed it down so hard because both of us have spoken to you guys about how tough it was with our first jobs. And my biggest lesson moving into this process was there's not going to be a perfect job. I just need to see what aligns with my interests, um, which is a hard process. Like it, it took me, I'm still here right before this podcast recording. I was, I was talking to Ria and I was like, we were weighing out the pros and cons and she was really good at playing devil's advocate. And I have to give an answer again, following the trend of the previous curveballs episode by tonight, Uh, I want to say in like six hours and I'm still dilly dallying between both of my options, but what's going on in your head right now? Um, so one being okay. Like I have one job that's not remote. There's one job that's remote. Um, both of them are kind of like similar positions, but one is more niche and one is more 360. Uh, the one that's 360, like all around experience is in the same industry that I was in before versus the remote job is in a new industry and it's up and coming and it's a very India-centric brand. Um, At the end of the day, both of the companies work with the same target market, which for your reference and for those who are wondering, I live in India right now, so that's India market. So very exciting, regardless, a goal of mine when I moved back was to work with the Indian market and understand what that is. So If you are currently juggling between jobs, I would suggest go back to what your biggest goal is. Um, That's kind of been the trigger or like the guiding path for me. But right now, as I said before, you and Rhea, I'm just like, well, both are interesting. Remote is exciting, but I'm also 20 something year old and I want to move to a new city and explore that whole part of the package. Something we were actually just talking about was going to a new city um and exploring something new also means taking a hefty sum out of your bank account versus a new job and staying at home means taking a hefty sum into your bank account yes um so talk us through kind of like what's your balance between the two right now like what are your thoughts between each of them it depends on 
person to person. Personally, I've had, I've been very fortunate to not have the pressure of saving the money. It's been more about the experience for me. So what is it that gives me a more wholesome experience? But also just to throw in another curveball is when you're in India and you're in the business line, after like two or three years into your work, there is a natural pressure even if it doesn't stem from you, this is a general industry trend to do your master's. So if you are like two to three years into the whole cobweb of working, there's almost like every auntie, every uncle, every every person in, in a job interview is like, so what's your five-year plan? Are you planning to do your master's? Interesting. Yeah. So that's been lingering in my head being like, okay, so I guess I have to start prepping for B school because not not only because I want to do it sure a part of it is what I want to do but also because if I want to remain working in India you just have a step up or a leg up in your professional life when you have a master's which I understand isn't the case in the U.S. I've been there it's more wholesome in in the U.S. in India it's boils down to the degrees at times it's like, okay, sure, saving is not a problem for me at the moment, but does it make sense to save more right now? Because I want to do grad school in about a year and a half from now. So, well, let me throw another wrench into your thought process. Can you talk us through what your thoughts were when you applied for each job? That's, that's a good question. Nothing. Just so you just blindly applied. I mean, like so this application. Is, yeah. So every person has a desperate moment in their life. And in that dark Jan or Feb period, I was just like, you know what? I need a confidence booster. And it's so sad, but it's real about how much a job kind of signifies your confidence in the society, right? Like Ria, you went through this, right? When you told people you were an entrepreneur, we had this conversation about how do you even phrase it in a social setting? When I tell, when I used to tell people in Jan and Feb, I run a podcast, people were like, oh, that's a side hustle. What's your long-term yeah. plan with it? I'm like, bro, like, that's what I'm doing right now. But I went on LinkedIn. I did what most people do when they're desperate for jobs, went onto the search bar and said, marketing strategy manager, two years plus experience, go. And every job, I... I think it's true when people say that they apply for 50 odd jobs or 60 odd jobs before they get that stroke of luck. But I did basically that, just kept random, easy apply on LinkedIn, reached out to all my network groups, um, lots of people who, it also, I think a curveball here is to note that I moved back to India. So my connections are as fresh as someone who just graduated out of college, right? So I never studied here. So my friend group and my group of connections are all based abroad. So having to restart that whole, you know, this is where networking comes in, kind of just literally yeah. networking through LinkedIn, leveraging the fact that I have foreign experience, reaching out to people meticulously, updating my resume meticulously for every job I applied to. Cover letters make a difference. So I made, I wrote friggin' cover letters for hundreds oh of jobs. I, oh, you, literally, I did not. I was like, well, I that's can't the, do that. Well, that's oh, the you. difference, right? You know, for Ria, when we spoke to her in about her curveball, she had literally an opportunity present itself, right? Because of yeah. 
all of the all of the past work she's done but the foundation to that was also networking was because you kept up yeah, yeah you kept a relationship with your ex bosses and counterparts right yeah yeah so for me it was just more like i'm a fresh grad imagine you just need a new job and you have experience and you want to rebuild a base it's it's very different when you move to a country and you already have a job so i was doing that and funnily enough um one linkedin i want to call it dm but it's not a dm but a linkedin kind of i slid into someone's linkedin connects and i and i said hey like i think your profile's super cool wow when i say dms this this whole example sounds so wrong it's like i'm trying to get set up i mean i feel like linkedin could technically be considered dms like i've had people yeah okay i've had people slide into my linkedin dms trying to sell me things whether for like both of my I guess current jobs so like it's a thing people slide into your dms we can go on with it it's a new term yeah it's uh, sliding into your linkedin dms uh <laughs> it was added with a wink for anyone who was listening to it it is linkedin dms with a wink so next yes. time you use someone's linkedin dms also let us know yes just hit up a manager and uh he was like i was like i'm looking for a job i didn't actually guys let me take that back Rule number one of LinkedIn, and we've all we all know this, but when you reach out to potential people on LinkedIn, you never ask them for a job directly. So you say, "Oh, I'm really interested in in this company, and I'm super excited by I find your career journey very inspiring." Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> um, I did that, and he was like, "Sure, let's get on call." This was three months of just meticulously networking on LinkedIn, and finally, for the first time, someone in India said, "Let's have a chat." And then he was like, "I'm hiring for my team," and one thing led to another. So that was one of them. Pretty much from there on, there was no turning back because every opportunity I got after was not from LinkedIn. It was. just because some connection of connection was like it's hiring season we need someone and we know you've been trying to you know you told me 3 months ago you were looking for a job are you still looking for a job so i think you know when we talk about the behind this uh, behind the scenes process ria like this is something that is so important to note because there is build up to it for people who yeah. do not have opportunities that present to them or even if they did have opportunities present to themselves it's because of that homework and networking we did in the past so yeah i i think that's something that's also very significant because when you're in a job you don't do that because yeah. you're so preoccupied yeah by that job and i mean in an ideal world you stay within that position or that company um but in a realistic world you don't things happen um layoffs happen the world changes whatever you get a new boss I, like you know there's tons of things um but i think that really touches on the importance of keeping that network like ongoingly sharp and so much easier said than done i've said that i was going to post on linkedin for since january um it is now april for anyone who's counting and i still have not posted on linkedin my job has changed but i have not posted this bit like when we launched pod after 31 i like took to i um went on to linkedin cuz i'm a super linkedin gal like i i hate posting on linkedin but i kind of have to because i write blogs and now we have a podcast so i want to promote it but like i was like free and i started a podcast after 21 hit the link in the bio 
And this chick, I told her that I wrote like I a whole LinkedIn it. post. She never liked it. I did. I thought I liked no, it. You didn't oh. comment on it or like I, it. Okay. <laughs> LinkedIn gives me anxiety. I've never announced to the LinkedIn community that I started Katoy. No, I. Or the marketing age. Uh, I, I think everybody, if you're listening to this episode, we should, you know, like this, this, does that even make sense? Like, like this episode on YouTube, because we want the more likes we get, that's an incentive for yeah, yeah, yeah. to post about everything that is yes. going on. I don't know. I think there's like a, I don't, maybe I'm making this up in my head, but I feel like there's a stigma about like posting on LinkedIn, like Brag, Instagram, bragging rights. like, yeah, like one is bragging rights, but two, it's like, it's an older generation or like, yeah. it's not just people of a certain age and younger. So it yeah. feels like you should be more like prim and proper, but that's a discussion for another day. Going back to you. Um, let's talk a little bit more about these two positions. So I think one thing we were also talking about is like, so if her goal is a master's, like what is, what job sets you up better for your master's degree? Um, and so like, let's talk about it. Like job a, what are you thinking is good? And are you thinking for like, one, is it just like, what will help me get into a master's school? Or are you also thinking what will help me form the basis of a good master's education? Yeah, I think, I think it's probably the latter over like, obviously you want to get into a good master's school, but personally, like you can approach this question two ways. Like if you're someone who is very much after what's on your resume and how you want to look after you go to a fancy company, go to a fancy school, sure, you can do that. But if one thing I've learned from my past experience is like your experience matters, originality matters. Um, you know, I can be a cookie cutter person right out of, out, of, out of a consulting job, going to the best MBA school. And then boom, I have another consulting job or I'm like a strategy head at a corporate job, um, which I don't think is for me. I've had a very unconventional path. Saying so, I'm, I'm looking for a corporate job, so I don't know how much of a cookie cutter person that makes me. But I think personally, when I'm looking at masters, I want to see, I want to see approach this two ways, right? Like something that speaks to a part of my identity. So I'm an athlete. So it makes sense that I work in a specific industry because that is something I am passionate about. So when you look at it from a master's point of view, you're like, okay, there's a story to this person it makes sense. But I also want to play devil's advocate. And I want to say, the more you emphasize on your story, or the more you're chasing the bigger brands, because it builds your story, the more cookie cutter you get. Does that make sense? Because like, totally. Um, I feel like the more I force a path for myself, I hate it. You know, I'm that person. To give you an um, unsolicited piece of advice. Please. not advice I think it's more of just like a different viewpoint um so I knew I always wanted to work in fashion um not always I think actually that's why I always knew um I thought I wanted to do marketing and then it came back into fashion merchandising best of both worlds um but I very specifically went to college for fashion merchandising because I wanted to graduate and I wanted to work in fashion like that was it I had a one-track mind all my internships were one way everything was one way whatever um, and I now work for a marketing agency 
And my fashion so she education. also works for a marketing agency, <laughs> aside from like a big business. Um, but I have learned a lot in the fashion industry and it was all part of my brand story, right? So I don't know if someone would have told me to go work in a different area. I, I, people have actually told me that. And I've always been like, yeah, whatever, kind of to a certain degree. Um, but now that I am working at an agency, I actually can tell you through multiple other different circumstances that which we'll actually talk to the help of Porva. Um, I have learned so much more in these past three months than I think I have in years. Like uh, it from being pushed with the right people or like even thinking in different ways, I've seen myself literally on a week to week basis, bringing what I learn back to my retail fashion business, which you wouldn't expect because you would think that like my story was building on each other, but this has been a whole new different kind of enlightening experience, which has taught me more to bring back to my ultimate story. Something I've learned over a year and from like talking to you and people like you and other friends there's going to be a multitude of people influencing, right? Like we put so much pressure on Apurva. You need to get a master's in like a fancy school for that. You need to make sure that you work in a big brand or, you know, something that's exciting so that you're a better sell in the application process. But I also feel like sometimes kind of thinking through those things just ruins that whole process of decision-making, which is, First-hand experience, I'm doing that. I'm consulting too many people and I am factoring everybody's decision without thinking about me. Like internally, I think I know, Ria knows what the answer is. I think I may have subtly hinted it to her before that I want to go a certain way. But like, I'm 24, you know, does it really matter what step I take in the long run? Because every opportunity is going to help in some way. You know, if it doesn't, and and this is something one of my mentors told me in the past, if you hate your first job or your second job, which I did, um, it's a good step because you're not getting closer to what you want for sure, but you're able to eliminate what you do not want to do yeah. at least, right? Um, I also actually, I think we talked about this last time um, when we were organically talking and something we talked about was like, Either decision that you make is great. Yeah. As long as you're prepared for your own backlash. So talk us a little bit through how you're kind of thinking about that, I guess. Yeah. Like what how are you prepping yourself? Um, okay. So if I was to do this honestly, um, if I took that job that isn't remote and I go somewhere else and I absolutely hate it and I'm looking at my bank account dwindling and honestly, too many eggs in too many baskets. Does that make sense? Like if I yes. move to a new place and a lot of people had, have advised me to think about this, including you, Rio, which is like, you're running a podcast, you are moving to a new city, you are also prepping for GMAT, which is the exam that you take before B school. And you have to adjust to a new city along with all of the responsibilities of a job. Am I going to do it? Can I do it? Right. Do I have to burn a lot of myself to make it happen? Right. 
Um, and at the end of it, there's always the fear of not excelling at anything, right? Because you are focusing on too many different things and you want to do too many different things, as opposed to being in a company, working from home, working remotely, my parents can feed me, you know, I don't have to pay rent. I'm living a very conventional, comfortable life. I don't know, like that's kind of how I'm preparing myself. If I live in at home, there's safety and security and a lot of comfort and definitely my parents I can run to if I need help for versus kind of completely pushing myself into the unknown. If you go to a new city though, I have no doubt that you will like whip it together and figure it out. And, you know, it'll kind of be like pressurized to do it. And I will a little bit speak from my own experience of like, if you're at home, it does help, um, especially when you get settled in it, but also like you get a little reliant on it. Um, and I mean, like, I think avidly, like I know I'm moving out. So I think avidly about like when I, what I need to do to like sustain the lifestyle I want. Um, so it does give you the, like, it gives you a good running path to be like, when I do leave the, the house with now that I have more things on my plate than when I entered with, how am I going to make that transition and it's a liberty that quite frankly we wouldn't have had two three years ago yeah yeah um so that's a point um but I will also say I'll say two more things you're young you, you definitely share the sentiment of maybe where we're at isn't the best place for how we want to live out our mm-hmm. 20s mm-hmm but I will also say for all our followers, Apoorva and I had this conversation off the record. Your 20s is a very interesting time period where you're seeing a lot of people do things and people do things at different ages. I think we were two people who are very fortunate to have had a lot of experiences in our young ages. Yeah. Like very crisp 20s. Um, and I don't know about you, Apoorva, but I see myself sometimes comparing myself to people who are doing more, maybe fun things than me at this age. And I get jealous, but if I actually take a sip, like step back and think about it, I've done every single one of those things, whether it was traveling to a new country or doing this or doing that when I was like 21 or younger. When you're in an Indian household, we've spoken about it in our mental health month where all of our guests said there's a lot of pressure that comes with being in a South Asian family. It's more performance-based in our houses, no matter how supportive our parents are. For me, it's almost like, I love my parents, but they're just like, so, you know, don't even work if you don't want to, like, focus on grad school, get the score for grad school. And they mean well, but they also are influenced by a lot of external factors. They always, I think Indian parents go off of this foundation of you need to have a second option, a backup plan that is stable. Stability is key for our families because it makes sense. South Asian families have worked really hard to establish themselves and break open from their shackles of the past. But for us now, it's like right now, as I think through this, I'm just like, there's already so much pressure unconsciously whether I like it or not, about what my future is going to to entail. Why not, despite my fun that I've had in college, 
also factor in a little bit of fun in general in my life oh, yeah because yes. we are already pushing ourselves as machines as products of south asian families you know yeah um i will also pre go back to what i said real quick because i want to say that one of the reasons we talked about it was because like it was to acknowledge that we're all at different places yeah. in different parts of life so apoorva and i you know had certain experiences in college, but someone else listening could have had the complete opposite, but this should help you make the decision to give yourself whatever experiences you want. Yeah. Um, but going back to what you were saying now, yeah, that's completely valid right now. Um, like you don't want to also take yourself away from an experience just because you've already had it or had it. Um, and something I struggle with all the time too. So I definitely understand that. Yeah, it's, um, you know, we've spoken about little things in Ria's episode about how she's negotiated, how she's kind of gone through that whole decision-making process of pros and cons. And when I say I did it, I've done it. So like, we don't want to go over that again, because those things are something you should be doing when you have multiple options, think through things and do your, do your pros and cons and negotiate whatever you want to negotiate. And I can speak for this negotiating, negotiating in India. A lot of my friends react, actually, this is funny in India, after they listened to your episode, we're like, is negotiating possible in India? So I guys, <laughs> like literally took this upon myself. So I took Ria's advice, and I went in. So my dad and I sat down until 2am looked at the entire offer and like started tweaking things as to where we think I would need money. You know, if I was moving to a new city, hell, I need transportation allowance. I need relocation. I need X, Y, and Z. Just the basic elements of moving to a new city I need. Um, And for all the people who think negotiation is not possible in India, I'm not saying I have like a fabulous offer. I'm not saying they met me halfway. They did not. But you can because if it means that they'll increase your salary by 10, 10K, 20K, 30K, that's a win. And you have to always negotiate when you are moving jobs because it is only setting you up for success. In oh, the future. yeah. But she did negotiate with one of the other positions to meet her with what one of the first jobs was offering, Yeah, which is like pretty big. Pretty big. For a remote position, the fact that they said we want to do it, I'm only talking about like the non-remote job where, you know, I said they may not meet me halfway, but this other job has, is okay. The remote position to try and match. Yeah. So I think, again, like you can't negotiate right out, out of college. That's tough. It's your first job. But when you start gaining- I did try. You, yeah, I mean, there's a start, you know, like if I, for example, was in Hyderabad, which is the city I currently live in, and I got a job right after college, I would probably not negotiate all that much if the job was right in Hyderabad because you won't get any perks, right? Like, but if I was moving from Hyderabad to Bangalore, Hyderabad to Mumbai, then I could try and negotiate at least a a relocation. But essentially what I want to boil this down to is, you know, when you're in a position in your career, when you've got one or two years of experience, negotiation is possible. And we are reiterating this all over again in this episode because I mean, it opens up more confusion for the candidate if the interviewers are willing to negotiate to your demands, but it is a good confidence booster. Well, I have one last question for you. Yeah. Um, 
Is leadership a thought-provoking discussion when you're trying to make your decision? Yeah. Yes. We've spoken about this off the record, but like on the record, um, it's something I value. We both value in our jobs, right? Like it's really hard to gauge the person you're interviewing with. Um, actually, out of the five interviews I had gotten, one of them was an eight-round interview. Um, and I was just like, what the heck is going on? Like, I'm not even prepared for this. And through every interview process I went through with them, even though it was long, I was able to get an understanding of the culture, right? Like, each of them was like, oh, so you got to have an anal analytical brain. And they were digging deeper and they were like really into knowing what I have to bring to the table as opposed to my personality, which made me think, okay, this job is very technical. The team is very strategic. They need someone with X, Y, and Z um, skill sets, which I may or may not have. So it's very revealing two ways. One, because you understand the culture and the team that you may have to work with. And two, it reveals things about you because you're just like, okay, maybe I'm lacking here. So maybe this is not a right job. Um, I think really through this episode, what I want to say is I'm at a point where I, and Andrea can attest to this. I'm, I've worked for these kind of marketing brand jobs right from the start. Like bo previously, both my jobs were very much unrelated. They were different. And this is something, this is a job I would have wanted when I got out of college, but I'm here now. And they're both aligned to my interests. It's just about making that step. And, and I don't know what that step is. Well, I'm going to do a quick roundup of three takeaways before we wish you good luck on this decision within the next like five hours. <laughs> um, I think the first thing I really heard was like considering what you think your next two, next two to three years are going to be. So like, where are you going to be and how can each position, if you're in a situation like this, help you to attain that? Um, the second one I heard was that what does your life and your experiences kind of account for? Like, what do you ultimately want? And how does each job, location, salary, whatever it is, contribute to that within that kind of two-year plan? Making sure you analyze your leaders or the team when you're interviewing and how that makes you feel and how you, what you really want to be in. I think that you said it like very kind of quickly, but I definitely picked up on that. Um, and honestly, the fourth was if you're in India, you have to get a master's. <laughs> yeah. I had, you know, I walked in saying like, I'm going to defy this. And I pushed it by two years. And it's just something I think for me, the only two other takeaways I have to add, we've got four already. And for someone listening to this from a foreign culture, if you're probably rattled by like, what the fuck, why are kids planning so much ahead of time? That could just be us. Yeah. That could just be us, but it's also like how your culture and your country shapes your thinking. Like if I was in the US, I'd probably take a little more of a relaxed approach. If I was in the U if if I was in Europe, I'd just be like, I'm just gonna take a gap year and work at a cafe and and translate that into transferable skills. If there's anything that you have to take away from this, we never had a job immediately. We had to bust our butt to work the network and then at the time at the right time you get you get the job. So 
Yeah. There's a lot of tears and consultations between each other and comparison to other people. So much wine too. So I hope that nobody feels discouraged through this, but only encouraged because if anything was supposed to come from this is that we relate to that lull that you're in. We relate to the painful moments and there are good things that happen at the end of those painful moments. Yeah. And this is a great life example. after 21. Yeah. Well, Porva, we look forward to hearing what your decision is, but we will save that for next time. So tune into our next episode to hear what a Porva decides. Bye.